you're listening to Prairie Justice, a Greg Sanders Vigilante podcast. Prairie Justice presents the Seven Soldiers of Victory. Well, howdy, folks, and welcome back to Prairie Justice, the Greg Saunders Vigilante Podcast. I'm Ranger Gord, and we're once again into the penultimate. That means second to last, folks. That's Latin means second to last. What do you mean it's not Latin? How am I supposed to know? I don't speak Latin. At any rate, we are uh, headed into the Green Arrow chapter of our Seven Soldiers of Victory Megasode. Six of Seven. So that's what leads us to Penultimate. Our, once again, we are doing Leading Comics number 5, part 6. It's uh, the winter 1942 issue on sale date December 9th, 1942. As it's a quarterly, this serves as the winter 1942-1943 issue. And we are have been adapting a story called The Miracles That Money Couldn't Buy. And the conceit was that the skull is a guy who just can't buy the things that he wants. So he's he's got uh, experienced foot soldiers, gangsters, slash villains that are out there to steal these items for them. And, uh, of course, the seven soldiers are out there to foil these things. He hasn't been having too good luck so far. Uh, Most of these gangsters are people that the... Uh, individual soldiers or soldier teams have experienced or battled before although those battles are not really within any published continuity they're we just kind of take it for granted that they're happened somewhere between the borders of the pages and today green arrow who sort of let off our story along with crimson avenger in discovering the skull plot is going to take on his old foe that he once put in jail, William Porky Johnson. And of course, the skull has bust him out in order to steal a machine. And we'll learn more about that machine very quickly. Uh, of course, this is the Green Arrow and Speedy, Oliver Queen and Roy Harper of Earth 2 of the Golden Age. And I'll just leave that right there. And if you need a continuity patch to figure out uh, why they need that in there? You, well, you put that continuity patch in there. I'll maintain mine. At any rate, uh, the story, uh, once again, frustratingly, uh, is n- not known who the scripter of this story was for whatever reason. And But our artist, we do know, is Ed Dabrotka, who has been able to hammer out every page of this story so sit back relax draw up a bow uh, whittle yourself an arrowhead and let's meet the man who couldn't be hanged
and I will see you on the other side for notes and comments. The Green Arrow and Speedy, Chapter 6. Porky Johnson is a fat felon who seems to many a figure of fun. But behind his beaming bandit face is the cruel cold mind of a menacing monster. With maniacal cunning, he plans to remove the Green Arrow from his perilous path. And never is the wizard archer nearer death than at the hands of this corpulent clown of crime. Then fate plays one of its fabulous fantastic tricks, and instead of shunning the master bowman's straight-aimed shafts, the heartless hoodlum seeks them frantically to discover the strange destiny fate had in store for the murderer who couldn't be hanged. Within an artificial jungle located in the heart of a metropolis, mild Dr. Boggs is busy performing miracles. Is that the oldest horse you could find? Yes, Dr. Boggs. This old fellow of a horse is dying of old age. We'll see what my violet life ray will do for him. I don't know, Dr. Boggs. This is the biggest animal we've ever tried it on. As the two men wait tensely, an amazing transformation takes place. Ancient eyes grow bright, hollows fill, bent legs straighten. Eureka, it works. He's young again. It has always worked, Dr. Boggs. It's a miracle. The amazing laboratories filled with the living witness of Dr. William Boggs's magic art. The animals in the top row are untreated. Those in the bottom row have been bathed in the life ray. With my machine, I can grant perpetual youth at will. But a sudden interruption claims the scientist's attention. And how, how do you do, Dr. Boggs? I'm Professor Johnson of Gotham College. I'm always glad to meet a colleague, Professor Johnson. The only time I ever got inside of college was when I robbed the treasurer's office. I, I've had a great deal of your wonderful inventions, Dr. Boggs. I'm interested in knowing how it works. Why, it's very simple. You just press this button. Thanks for telling me all about it, pal. Then now the skull will know how to use it. What? What in the world? What are you doing? Ah! That was a lot easier than holding up a bank. Now, now if the green arrow don't get on my trail, I'll be safe. I'll let the post office take care of delivering this machine to the skull. But just to make sure the green arrow don't come after me, I'll take care of him first. A few days later, as the Green Arrow continues his scheduled lecture tour to his allies, a room full of uniformed policemen. 
Gentlemen, in the past week I've spoken to many police audiences on fighting crime. Today I wish to speak about ways of handling the exceptional criminal. While in the audience, one of those uniforms is listening intently. The notorious Porky Johnson is an example of the criminal who combines daring with true tricky methods. You don't know how right you are, Green Arrow. As the Green Arrow lectures comes to an end, amid a hurricane of applause, That's the last speech you'll ever make. Now this gat of mine is going to do a little talking. A keen eye catches a glint of gleaming gun barrel. A bowstring twangs, and a swift arrow quivers through the air. Oh, drat. The green arrow would have been a goner if that kid hadn't butted in. Porky must be crazy. Surrounded by all these policemen, he knows he can't escape. But the clever criminal has made cunning preparations as the police attempt to seize him. This is going to be some getaway. A couple of hundred cops around me, and they can't lay a finger on me. Porky's got a black wire around his waist. He's being pulled up by other crooks up onto the roof. Rising swiftly, the would-be murderer disappears through an opening above. Surround the building! We'll go up after him. He can't escape us for long. But on the rooftop... They thought they'd catch me and have me hanged. But in two minutes, we'll be safe in this autogyro. Them cops will be running around in circles. Seconds later... It's a clean getaway. He made fools of us, and of the Green Arrow, too. But the Green Arrow and Speedy waste no precious moments in idle regret. Hastening to the waiting aeroplane... Autogyros can't fly very fast. In the aeroplane, we'll be able to keep Porky Johnson in sight. He won't even know we're following him. He's heading south. I wonder if he has a hideout near here. It can't be far away. That small ship hasn't got much of a cruising range. Those thick trees shut out the light. We're liable to lose him. We'll find him again, Green Arrow. An autogyro isn't an easy thing to hide. But as the racing aeroplane comes out from beneath the canopy of trees, the autogyro isn't in sight. It must have landed. That peak would make a swell hideout for a crook, Green Arrow. The only way to get to it would be by flying. Then that's the way we'll get there. All set for the catapult, Speedy. Alley-up! Flashing through the air with the speed of a shooting star, the wizard archer streaks towards the top of the lone peak. Won't Porky be surprised when I drop in? Yeah, I, I fooled the green arrow that time. Hey, where, where did he come from? What's the big idea? Nice hideout you've got here, Porky. I thought I'd take a look at it. Kill him. Murder him. Throw him off the cliff. Porky, you're acting like a hand. Ow, I broke my hand. All you've got is a case of bruised pig's knuckles. Yeah. I think that punch brought home the bacon, Porky. But now, recovering from their surprise, the corpulent criminal's henchmen enter the fray. Here's where we score a couple of bullseyes. Yeah, these lead slugs that tear the green arrow apart. But two slender shafts sing through the air. Here's where a couple of arrows tear those lead slugs of yours apart. Ow! 
While the wizard's archer's back is turned, Porky grasps a murderous weapon. You'll break the green arrow in two with this club, and I'll smash him to bits. But the master bowman turns quickly. I heard you grunting, Porky. Hey! Knock on wood. It's bad luck for you. But as more mobsters join the fray, too many crooks are putting me in the soup. Don't kill him, boys. I got a good way for him to die. We'll put up a good fight with those arrows, Green Arrow. So I figure we ought to learn to use them, too. You're too crooked to shoot an arrow straight, Porky. All I need is practice, Green Arrow. And you're going to help me get it. They left my head free because they wanted to see me try to duck the arrows. But if one strikes close enough and I have a few seconds... Not bad, Porky. But you don't hold the bow right. Hold it closer to your face. Okay, Arrow. I'll take your advice. But as the fat felon releases the next arrow... Oh, that string snapped back and hit me in the face. The green arrow knew that would happen. That's why he told you to hold your face closer. Well, just for that, Greedo, you'd die right away. Attaboy, boss. Why waste time on him? Meanwhile, a worried lad awaits the return of the ace archer. The green arrow ought to be back by now. Something must have happened. I'd better do a little investigating. There's a tree on that peak. I'll anchor an arrow line in it and use the line to climb up by. Green Arrow, you die right now. <clears throat> Seems like I'm getting up here just in time. <sighs> but the bloated bandit, at a range so short he cannot miss, raises the wizard archer's bow. Too bad that kid Speedy ain't here to die with you, Green Arrow. That's my cue, chum. Speedy, good boy. He invited me here, Green Arrow. And I couldn't stay away. You picked a fine time to get here? The kid shoots even better than Green Arrow. Oh, no. Green Arrow would have pinned you to that tree by your hair. Hey, I can't even run away. That arrow pierced him to the very soul. <laughs> While Speedy keeps the ruffians on the run, the master bowman himself, this arrowhead is hard steel few more seconds and the rope will be cut through. I guess I bit off more than I could chew this time. You did a good job, Speedy. Here's where we go to town together. Now you know how Siamese twins feel. Before the onslaught of the sharpshooting duo, the disheartened desperados surrender. I give up. I'll fight the cops, but I won't tackle you fellas. You boys can tell that to the police. Wait, where's Porky? The paunchy leader is making a desperate effort to escape. I can't let Green Arrow capture me. I'd be sent back to the pen to hang. As he hastens his perilous descent, his hands slip on the smooth surface of a rock. Whoa, 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 whoa. Help! Somebody! Green Arrow! So there's Porky. Even though he's a murderer, Speedy, I'll have to do my best to save him. The frightened felon clutches at a small shrub and temporarily halts his fall. 
Help! Hold on, Parky. I'm shooting an arrow line your way. I hope this arrow line reaches far enough. The bow has lost some of its elasticity since Porky's hand bullet it. Help, Green Arrow! I can't hold on much longer! The arrow line streaks downward and falls short. Damn! Missed by a few inches! And with a final despairing shriek, the terrified thug plunges downward to his doom. Porky was a queer victim of fate, Speedy. He was condemned to die at the end of a rope. And he died because a rope wasn't long enough. And now it's up to us to find the man who helped him break jail. We'll search the hideout and perhaps we'll find a clue. And now my notes and comments for this story. We start off with one of those great golden age splash pages. And I'm always torn in between these splash pages. And some ways I like to see the representations. And some ways I want to get on with the story. Some have found ways to put a panel or two in there to get the story going. But uh, this one is really great. Uh, not only do we get one of those great uh, testimonials that sort of uh, gives you a, a bit of poetry, gives the scripter, whoever he may be, a chance to uh, to show off a little bit what he can do in before he starts the narrative. And basically it's Green Arrow and Speedy in one of their stereotypical poses. They're basically firing an, each firing an arrow into the sky. And those arrows are landing into the barrels of two, uh, what I believe to be Colt automatic pistols that are being held by our villain, uh, the infamous William slash Bill alias Porky Johnson. And he's wearing one of those stereotypical convict uniforms, uh, you know, with the stripes and such. And he is being hung from the sky. Only the rope he is being hung from is snapped. Spoilers, this scene does not appear in the story. And it's kind of a bizarre scene. You know, this is a story or a comic that's supposed to be marketed to 10-year-old kids or such. I guess 10-year-old boys in 1942-43 were a little tougher. And I believe they could... Uh, they probably knew about the aspects of capital punishment and uh, what that happens. Let's face it, when you're 10 years old, you're basically halfway evil anyway. <laughs> at least I was at that point in time. So I don't think I would have been scarred by the, uh, the sight of a convict uh, hanging from a noose. Or was I?
Now, speaking of Porky Johnson, let's get the ham out of the room, shall we? Speaking as one who has set a task ahead for himself in doing the voices for these dramas within the Prairie Justice format, you struggle to come up with ways to do a variety of voices. And let's face it, your own voice is always going to come through anyway. But you, you struggle to come up with the ways to portray these different characters and have enough voices that uh, the entire drama comes across as a as a narrative in which uh, I don't have seven actors to do this. The actor is me, so I have to do it all. Having said that, there is no way you are going to give me a villain by the name of Porky Johnson, as mean as this guy is, and have me not use that voice of the Porky Pig. I will say this, I am one that has fought a stammering problem Myself, it's never been a bad stuttering problem. It's never held me back on doing anything. But having said that, I have struggled with public presentation, and sometimes I struggle with even doing these narratives here on um, Prairie Justice. And thank God for the editing thing, where I can go back and take out a lot of my uhs and uhs, and sometimes I don't. Uh, I do know of the affliction of the speech impediment of which I speak, uh, I have a f good friend who has a speech impediment. It, right now, it has never held him back from being a very successful farmer and workman. And, uh, and in fact, is you know one of the most naturally intelligent people I know. To anyone out there who does fight with uh, or struggle with the affliction, see, I'm doing it right there. Um, please know that I'm not making fun of you or people with a speech problem. Uh, I've been around it all my life. I have family members who also have this as well. So at any rate, uh, I'm just having a little fun with Porky Johnson. I hope I don't overdo it. I've tried not to overdo it. Uh, but like I said, Porky the pig, despite what he represents, or in spite of what he represents, um, is a very fun character. And just consider this a, as a bit of an homage. So we begin in the laboratory with Professor Boggs, who in an artificial jungle uh, is going to test his vita rays on an old pug of a horse and manages to revitalize him uh, to the point of being a very much younger and much more vigorous horse. And through the uh, chatting with his lab professor, this Vita Ray, let's not call it a Vita Ray. Uh, Dr. Erskine and, or Dr. Reinstein might have some letters here. It does have the ability to rejuvenate cells and such. Gosh, you'd almost think the Defense Department would want to know something about this. Maybe this is where the skull's uh, interest is. Who knows? Soon there's a knock on the door, what appears to be a well-dressed gentleman, also introducing himself as a fellow scientist. And uh, Mr. Boggs is a very trusting man. Decides to show him how the, this professor, how the machine works. And of course, the professor is none other than Porky Johnson in disguise. 
There's a lot of disguise in this story through all of the chapters we have found. So Porky manages to take the machine, which is very strange because when we see it in panel two, it appears to be about five to six feet high. And Porky is able to bundle it up and put it into a mailing package and take it to the post office and ship it out by parcel post to the skull. Well, that should be the end of the story, right? We're done with this. But remember, criminals are a cowardly, superstitious lot, and they're a vengeful lot. And Porky wants revenge on Green Arrow for what has gone on earlier in this story, and of course the untold story of his first battle with Green Arrow and Speedy. Well, Porky uh, puts on another disguise. We should call him False Face at this point in time as a policeman and he joins uh, a number of other policemen at a lecture at the police station being performed by Green Arrow. Now let's just stop and think of this. I know it's the 1940s and we assume a lot of things but a man shows up in a city dressed as Robin Hood brings along a kid also dressed as uh, in a similar fashion, and they shoot sticks and, and uh, sharp sticks at criminals. And the police are just going along with it to the point that they invite him down for a, for a lecture on how to do their job. Just uh, an interesting aside on uh, how the idea of vigilantes, <laughs> not forgive the pun, are treated here in this 1940s comics milieu. You know, anybody that wants to help, you know, pull in here. Oh, have you got a mask on? We're trusting you. As the comedian Dennis Miller says, oh, I haven't seen choreography like that since the Lee Harvey Oswald prison transfer. But it's... But what's interesting about that is Porky pulls out a gun and he's going to shoot Green Arrow in a room full of cops. Well, fortunately, Speedy is there. And Speedy does what he does, shoots the gun out of his hand. But Porky has some Confederates, and he is immediately transferred into an auto gyro. That's an airplane with a rotor on it, folks, so it uh, takes off vertical takeoff and landing, VTOL, sort of like what we would have in a helicopter. So GA and Speedy are immediately follow in what they're still calling the aeroplane, even though it's a car. We catch up to the Porky Gang and the Auto Gyro on what seems to be a cliff top. Uh, Green Arrow has Speedy put a head of steam into the catapult of the green of the aeroplane, and off he goes. I have to tell you something about this aeroplane. I often wonder if Oliver Queen ever thought this out. Okay, you've got this thing that punches you into the air. Now, what about coming down? Uh, oh, right, parachute arrows. What am I thinking about? What am I worried about? Well, as uh, Ollie is flying to the top of that roof, to top of that cliff top, uh, he sort of uh, is almost in a Superman kind of a vein with one hand out. So he's learned how to fly from his fellow All-Star Squadron members. But that's okay. He does land safely on the rooftop. Mountaintop, sorry. And Porky and him go straight into a fighty McFightenstein. 
the gangsters pull their guns, and of course they're plugged by arrows very soon. But momentarily, Green Arrow is overcome, and we get a little bit of poetic justice here. Porky is going to kill Green Arrow with his own weapon. I don't know how many of you have ever fired a bow and arrow. I have. And uh, I remember when I got my first bow uh, as, as a child. And it came with all of these leather straps that I was supposed to put all over my fingers and my wrists. And uh, after I strung up the arrow, bow and arrow and went outside, I realized why I was supposed to wear those protective leathers. Um, no matter how good you are, there are several pounds of force exerted on that arrow, and occasionally you're going to flub it, and that string's going to hurt. It's going to hurt your wrists, it's going to hurt your forearms, and if you're an idiot like Porky Johnson, where you put it right up to your nose, which was at Green Arrow's urging, you're going to get that right smack into your face. Meanwhile, Speedy, who's a little smarter and isn't going to use the catapult, uh, uses his arrow to uh, repel himself up a mountain. Can you repel up a mountain? He uses it to climb the mountain, just to see that uh, Porky has finally figured this out. He's got Green Arrow tied to a tree, and of course, Speedy shoots the arrow out of his hand, out of his hand, and another couple of arrows into his. Uh, his leather shoes. And I have to say, Ed DeBrotka does a very good job of drawing all of this out. Uh, the gangsters pull in. It's Fighty McFightenstein. They realize they can't fight Green Arrow and Speedy. They give up. And that leads to Porky trying to climb back down the mountain. Now, not for nothing is he called Porky, and he's not exactly agile enough to do perform this. We soon see him hanging on to a to a limb on the side of the cliff, sort of Sergeant Snorkel t style, if you remember that from the old Beetle Bailey strips. Green Arrow uh, tries to help him, shoots him a line, but get this, Green Arrow misses, the, b the branch breaks, and down goes Porky. The murderer who couldn't be hanged has died from a fall. Now, the only complaint I have about this story is that Ed DeBrocker or it could be the letterer or the inker. I just don't know the procedures they would have used here in the 1940s. I assume the artist is doing it all. We're getting the word balloons mixed up at some points, and that has been a problem really in all of the stories. I haven't mentioned it up to this point. Sometimes you really have to think about who is saying the words and why the balloon is pointing to a certain person's uh, people. And uh, that's too bad because it, I think it ruins his artwork, but I don't think it has really destroyed the story at this any point. Like I said, this is pretty meat and potatoes, Green Arrow Speedy story. Were this a one-off solo story and say his strip in More Fun or World's Finest or Adventure Comics, I would have said this was probably wasn't the best Green Arrow and Speedy story we could have had, but as part of the uh, the milieu inside the as a chapter inside the Seven Soldiers. Uh, overarching story it's wasn't that bad it did wind things up but we do realize one thing Porky Johnson's uh, postal tr tricks 
are going to lead us into the next story. Remember, he's the only guy that has, so far, Green Arrow has not been able to find the prize that the Skull wanted. I have one note about Porky. If he hadn't been named Porky, uh, Bill Johnson? Wow, what an incredible name for a villain. White Bread, why didn't you call him Jim Smith or Bob White? Uh, very vanilla name. Until I stopped and thought about it a little bit. Remembering my Earth 2 Golden Age history and how it winds up, oh, say 35 years later. Many of us remember the Justice Society run in that uh, phenomenal All-Star Comics revival in the late 1970s that ran between, oh, I'm going to say between 1975 and 1979. All-Star Comics itself was prematurely cancelled in the great DC implosion of 1978, and that led to the Justice Society stories by Paul Levitz and uh, Joe Staten being wound up over in Adventure Comics when it was uh, expanded into a dollar comics format. And in that run, we saw the death of, spoilers, Batman. Of course, the Golden Age Batman. The one we all knew as being from Earth 2. So this was a, an alternate view of Batman that, uh, in fact, was the original. He was killed in a fight with the character or the convict as well by the name of wait for it bill jensen also a very unremarkable organized crime figure who had uh, gained some unearthly magical powers and used it to burn up of course both bruce wayne and batman in the same guise so I just kind of wanted to make that slight connection. And I just wondered if uh, Paul Levitz, who was a staffer, who, by the way, found that Seven Soldiers of Victory Lost series that they ran in Adventure Comics in 1974 and 5. And I wondered if, uh, if Paul maybe just latently had that name in the back of his head from this Seven Soldiers of Victory story. Because, of course, he'd be reading them all. He had access to them all. He's the guy that had drawers full of them um, that he could access at any time in the archives of the D.C. offices as a staffer and, of course, later as a writer and finally uh, winding up a, an amazing career as publisher. Maybe that's something I should ask him at some point in time. I do uh, have connection with him on Facebook. So we leave now as Green Arrow and Speedy head toward the conclusion and the, the soldiers eventual regrouping and final altercation with the skull. And I think we just uh, leave an epitaph for Porky Johnson from his namesake. Son of a bit, son of a bit, son of a bit, gun. <laughs> you thought I was going to say son of a bitch, didn't you? <laughs> And once again, this is our feedback section, and Dave McIlvaney has been patiently waiting for Leading Four to roll out and commenting on it as he hears them. I'll make this intro brief since Dave's uh, letter is brief on this chapter. Greetings, Ranger Gord. 
Green Arrow and Speedy at the circus. Terrific. They were a good match in some ways for eagle eyes, since I assume such expert archers must have excellent eyesight themselves. Maybe not quite supervision, but certainly superior to the average person. It was interesting this time that it was a dog, not eagle eye or gang members, who made off with the gem, a garnet diamond, which I have never heard of. I can hardly find, wait to find out what purpose all of these gems will serve for the sense master. I imagine they will be used to make either some super scientific device or some magical object. I enjoyed your comments on the Calliope, particularly on the steamboat. I have traveled on the Mississippi River several times on paddle wheelers, the Mississippi Queen and the American Queen, and I was lucky enough by performing on the Mississippi Queen's Calliope to become a licensed riverboat calliopist. Looking forward to an exciting conclusion to this megasode. Live long and prosper, Dave McElvaney. Yeah, that, and then Dave and I have a a long exchange on our, our shared experiences on Steve Boats on the Ohio and uh, myself as well on the Columbia. But, uh, yeah, well, thanks for uh, now that I know a licensed calliopist. I know where to find get one. So with that, there's nowhere to go but to sign this off and wait for next week and the final showdown with the skull. Ta-da! <laughs> 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 <laughs>